You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Waterboy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hey, y'all, welcome to Cross Politic. Live at the New Art here in Moscow, Idaho. It's good to be with you. Live. That's right. Of course, you guys already know Pastor Toby. I'm the Waterboy, and this is Choc- the good Chocolate Knox. Good to be with you. Um, we, tonight, tonight's a special show for me because after eight years, of doing this show, my brother's finally doing it with me. Woo! Yeah. And welcome to the most underwhelming guest appearance yeah. of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've been I, saving up. Yep, he's been saving up. And if, if you know anything, I, I'm the younger brother. Um, and uh, growing up together, uh, my brother was late to everything. You need counseling right about that? Almost late tonight. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, you got that younger brother dynamic where, um, I said this on the show last week um, in the studio. Almost late is on time, right? It just, oh. <laughs> is that the way I'm saying on time? So Says when, the guy who was even later. Yeah. I was on time. <laughs> you, I was even more on time. <laughs> he was even closer to being on time. <laughs> yeah, if you guys, you know, uh, penguins, um, when they all kind of line up on the edge uh, before they jump in off the iceberg... And, and what one of the penguins usually do is they, they push one of the penguins in to test for sharks. <laughs> I was that younger brother constantly pushing my brother in, testing for sharks. Uh, he took spankings for me, yeah. like, like legitimately. <laughs> like he felt one time, he probably doesn't even remember half this stuff, but he felt so bad for me because I was going to get spanked. He went and lied to mom and said he did it. <laughs> and he got spanked. <laughs> So, uh, mad props to my brother for finally coming up on stage and yeah. confronting his now, past. Now, past now we know. Now we know why he doesn't want to come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you all should know this, but Nate Wilson, author of many books in many countries, filmmaker, and one of the owners of Canon Press. We're really grateful to have Nate on the show again. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you. Aaron Wrench, in addition to being Gabe's brother's literary agent, movie producer, also part owner of Canon Press, and they like to buy old buildings in Moscow, Idaho, and take a long time to renovate them. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Nate, we asked you to come on the show. We actually asked both you guys to come on the show, and you said you want to talk about not getting black-pilled. What is black-pilled? Every road has ditches, right? So plenty of people have come out of one ditch and just immediately careen across the road, calling it red-pilling is what people have called it, and then just go head first into a much worse ditch frequently. They would have been better off just being tepid in in the other ditch than they would be careening into misogyny racism like actually like actually going into all the stereotypes and the lies and the caricatures of the right that have been created by the left and then it it doesn't take very long before people are insulted with something before they start thinking maybe that's what i am and they embrace it and so i I think of blackpilling they the people who have blackpilled would never describe themselves this way and i know that i'm being insulting when i do this but blackpilling is probably best described as embracing all the lies from your enemy as truths. Like all the slanderous representations of the red pills, you then just make your own and make them real. 
which is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. So, so why did, because uh, we originally named this um, Politics, Hollywood, and the Jews, and you just said, why don't we summarize it as don't be black-pilled? Yeah. Why? Because, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink this. <laughs> uh, uh, because people love to get into the race politics. They love to get into faction politics. They love to get into my tribe, your tribe, tribalism, and all sorts of nonsense. Thank you. What are we drinking? Um, this is a Glenn Fittich, 14-year. I don't have to this get is, back. This is from a listener. Okay. So don't insult it, so please. So let's review it. Please don't insult them. <laughs> little cinnamon in there. It's not bad. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the... Basically, the, the left has been playing race politics heavily, and the worst thing we could do is do it back. And do that back in culture, Hollywood, do that back in politics, uh, the struggle for power, and then start blaming you know, any, any tribe of any color, any genetic makeup um, for what they may or may not do. It's just a, not a valuable conversation to get into. Where, where are you seeing this? And are there, um, I mean, I, I guess I think of something like, so is, like, is Kanye West a version of this, or is... Uh, he's just crazy. He's just crazy, okay. Um, he, he went so, black-pilled when he married Nick, the Kardashian I don't, daughter. I don't think, I don't think that his, his progression, you can't link up a natural, logical chain of events to what he's doing. Um, but plenty of people, you can. I mean, and Wyoming, are, you never guessed Wyoming was going to happen in Kanye's life? <laughs> that's, that's logical. Wyoming. I, I think... Um, you have a, a, lot of, a lot of circumstances and a lot of situations where, where people are being false flagged, um, you know, just like on January 6th, where you've, you've got agents who are helping, you know, helping get people all riled up and making them do something stupid. Oh, it's, it's just knowledge. It's known. I, I'm, I have direct access to journalistic sources that know how many thousands and ten th- tens of thousands of false accounts there are on social media trying to steer the conservative movement into uglier and uglier directions and succeeding with a lot of simple people. So dumb people are just like, oh, this is our team. It's like, no, that's an FBI agent. That's a, that's a DOJ bot that you're all fired up about. And that's just, like, that's actually what's happening. So there's, there's a concerted effort to try to make the conservative movement the movement of morons and racists. And they want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not just to look like it, not just to look like morons and racists, but to actually be morons yeah. and racists. And, and so we move from the slander to the reality. Like, can we, can we take it from uh, basically pre-January 6th, right-wingers are violent. And then they, they make that idiotic decision, they make that mistake, and then now afterwards, right-wingers were violent. Right. You know, it's like, now they were violent. They did do this thing. Uh, and the same thing happens. And this goes every direction. So you think about Trump... Uh, calling Hillary supporters nasty women. It took about two minutes before they were identifying themselves as nasty women and, and as a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, you think about the deplorables? Yeah, I'm just how, thinking about How that. fast did, like, did people embrace that as their brand? When the other team starts calling you names, uh, be very careful. Like, do not adopt those flags as yours just because people say that they are yours. Was, is, was Trump kind of a Proto black pill. I no. I think he, I think he helped a lot of people get there. I think Trump is he's a self serving narcissist who, you know, did did some good things and did some bad things. Is is black pilling? Is it is it nihilism? 
I mean, is, is it, so there's, okay, fine, I'm a racist. So okay, let's, let's fine, say, okay, I, am, I am a white supremacist. So whatever. there's a lot of variations. There's a lot of variations. You have conservatism that goes into like, oh, I'm a monarchist. No. Uh, like, screw the U.S. Constitution. It was always flawed. <laughs> you know, the U.S. government was always broken. Uh, like, that, that's an example of blackpilling. And so you have like, uh, pe- people who are actually just royalists right. against the American War for Independence who are then they may have gotten there through any number of routes, but people who just keep traveling in a particular direction and they just keep rabbit-holing. So once they've lost all faith, and I'm sure a lot of you in this room and a lot of listeners have had this experience, once you've lost faith in an institution, it's hard to stop your movement. So where, where do you actually like stop traveling? Where, where do you park and say, this is my new position? Uh, if you've been operating on trust and faith, where you've been following leaders, you've been trusting, you know, doctors. Whoopsies. Um, <laughs> you've, been, you've been trusting, you know, institutions of higher learning. You know, double whoopsies. And you just, who are you supposed to trust? Uh, and you end up trusting some bot <laughs> from the DOJ. From Twitter. From, uh, about yeah. race politics. And it's like, what are you doing? I mean, like, it's go to scripture. Like, become wise and discern for yourself and also know when you can't discern and know when things aren't, uh, aren't conversations worth having. And so when you see trolls and comments, when you see people piling in and they want to have a particular conversation. So let's say my dad posts a spicy blog post about anything. Just, he, he was feeling it that morning and he, he added a little cayenne. And a little little cayenne to the morning oatmeal and it's out there in the world um, and he opens up comments on his letters I, I convinced him to close his comments a long time ago uh, because when you have your comments open and people start saying ridiculous ridiculously ugly things in your comments uh, you become the place where that ugly conversation is happening like you've just denigrated and destroyed your own platform because now I've got anti-Semites in the comment thread it's like I am the blog where anti-Semitism is, is discussed openly. Like that's just not a it's not what you want to be. And the odds of those people who are doing that uh, in your comment thread doing it intentionally, knowing that it's actually tainting the whole conversation, are very high. The odd, odds are high. So for me, having a conversation about racism, any kind of racism or anti-Semitism as a viable option, somebody's like, hey, I want to have a conversation about the Jewish question. Um, my answer is no, not interested. It's, it's not worth having. Any more than somebody in your club wanting to have the conversation about minor attracted persons being you know, a valuable uh, demographic. It's like hard, yeah, hard no. Like just no, we're not, we're not talking about that. It's not on the table. That is not on the buffet in our restaurant. It's just not up for grabs. It's not up for a discussion. Is there a distinction between the black pilling that's happened in the Republican Party and maybe the secular uh, right guys versus the Christians? Is there a difference in the black pilling? Yeah, I think there's a lot of variation. So I, I think black pilling is like red pilling, then you run off the road. So you can run off the road about the central bank. You can run off the road about uh, movies, culture. You can run off. You're for the central bank? Uh, I run it. <laughs> but it's, Little did you know, Gabe. Yeah, so a big fan over here. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, it, there's a lot of ways to run off the road. 
And so blackpilling is just a general category of like what, what, further mistrust of everything you've ever been told and just careening off the, the road the other direction. So where do you see that in more like the evangelical circles? Because I'm thinking like SBC, they're looking up and seeing their institutions have drifted drastically. And so a lot of them are like, we're out or done, or they're trying to jump in and change it. And a lot of them are not trusting anything at all that comes from their institution whatsoever, which it seems, that kind of seems intentional in a play. So how do you fight for your institution or fight against the institution without being blackpilled? Because, every, because everybody's in motion, it's difficult. It's not easy. Right. Like I said, I'm using a really, really broad brush. I'm not trying yeah, yeah. to be really specific here. Um, there's a lot of variations. But how do you fight for your institution? It's hard. I mean, you got to dig in and be based on principles. It's got to be a principled fight, always. Because people are going both directions. And if we're talking about veering off the road, Antifa and all those, uh, you know, all those folks uh, did a version of that just the other direction. Yeah. So, like, we're in, we're in a moment where I think uh, the second coming, the poem by uh, Yeats, is basically the description of where we are. Where it's like the center cannot hold. Like, just things fall right. apart. Everything's just collapsing like everything's just shaking down and, it, and you see it literally everywhere you see it in churches you see it in denominations you see it in the pac-12 you know it's like yeah and, yep. and it's and these are connected we're in a cultural moment where loyalty and tradition means nothing yep zero and so the whole the whole thing's just shaking so everybody's like a 108 year old athletic conference then no one cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, and I actually thought this would start happening after the COVID shutdowns, like the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, these things that were, were idols in our culture that just everybody just assumed would always exist. Watching the NCAA shut stuff down, watching people like shut down their own existence. They planted a seed in everyone's imaginations that they're not permanent and they don't have to continue to exist mm-hmm. and they definitely don't have to matter. Uh, to my life and so there's good things in that you can see that shaking down it's fruitful as I spill whiskey on myself um, and then you can also see how that could create a lot of really unhealthy people who just go too far so so looking at the the picking on both sides you got a ditch on one side ditch on the other and it seems as I think about this that the concept of critical race theory or critical theory actually won because now very every, much so yeah so then so because all we do now is pick it apart to destroy it so that the middle's absolutely gone there's nothing that's firm anymore so how you what do you do you go into Baskin Robbins and it's just all bubblegum flavors everywhere what happened to the world it's the worst it's the worst you know it's like and that's how I, I feel genuinely like really why are we is it just always about race and power structures now is it just that's it yes this is the least interesting thing Right. You know, that, that we have. And it's just bubblegum, 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 just over and over. And it is the Republican most loathsome, bubble the most loathsome of all ice cream flavors. And, you know, we, we know this. So I think, I think critical race theory won, not just because it's, it's constantly discussed and we're all fighting back and forth, but also because these black bills em, embraced it. Right. They're like, yes, everything is racial. Right. Everything. And we're gonna, and we're gonna start talking about it, but we're gonna just, throw up an alternate theory. And as a side note, I'll say this and run and let you guys talk about something else, but the dumbest thing that could ever have been done is, for the left, is create a white identity. Right. That's just so stupid. 
Um, because if they were correct, and they're not, but if they were correct, you go through the history of the world and say, well, the Romans won. Were the, the Romans white? How about Alexander the Great? Is he, why, how about Ivan the Terrible? Uh, and we start going through Cortez, you know, AOC's ancestor. Um, it's like, also, also white. And as a side note, I want a petition to forcibly change her name because she's named after a, an oppressor. Um, she bears the sur- she bears the, sur- the surname of an imperialist oppressor. But it's you start lumping them all together, and it's like the Irish and the English—they're all in one batch. And also the Jews, like everybody's everybody's white. Um, it's just one big giant thing, and it's a bizarre, just a bizarre team to make. And because people are simple, pretty soon idiots start embracing that as their team. Yep. And then it's it's just going to be a huge problem. I want to I want to ask Aaron some questions about Hollywood in a second. So 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 start you know just get your get your vibe your Hollywood vibe going. Get your fizzy water. Get um, ready. But brace yourself. <laughs> but one more question, Nate, on this is 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 anti-Semitism a unique form of all of this? I mean, is it or is it just the same thing repackaged against the Jews? For you, Aaron. No, actually, it's for you. I, I, I'm <laughs> I thought we were here to talk about yoga pants. <laughs> we'll let you have that. Inter- Gabe, push them off. Gabe, push them off. <laughs> no, we're going uh, to ask Brian Sobey about yoga pants. I think it's unique. Um, and what's unique about it? It's, it's, like, it's the same thing. Let's put it this way. We're drinking whiskey, so it's the same thing. It's just cask strength. You know, it's uh, and then and then why? What what you? Uh, I think it's just because we're we're talking about God's chosen people, and we're talking about a um, basically a system of envy and resentment. And as soon as people start envying and resenting, then it kind of shakes down. And this is the one people group. The reason why it's cask strength that Alan Omar and you know like crazies on the hard the alleged hard right can all agree. It's like oh yeah, we hate them together. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's just it's bizarre. Leftists can get become anti-Semitic, and you know people on the extreme right become anti-Semitic, and the fact that they join hands to do that makes it an extra special um, piece of business. So, and it's it's pretty terrible. It seems to me that I mean, as you're talking about all this, I think like Darwin is at the back of all of it. Materialism is at the back of all of this, where it's like all there is. I mean, it's a zero-sum game. All there is is matter. And so everything gets divvied up materially. It's skin, ethnicity, financial status, you know, sexuality, sex, whatever. All these things. I mean, that's what um, the intersectionality thing's done. That's what um, the, you know, CRT has done. But it's all this, it's Darwinism metastasized in everything. And fundamentally, um, if there is no God above, if there is no spirit, if there is no... Uh, mind, then everything is might makes right, and it's um, if I don't get it, someone else will, and um, and so there's so envy has to drive everything, and conflict drives everything, um, and I think if uh, if God's blessing in some way um, still has some connection to this people um, that are descended from Abraham, um, then um, that would make sense of it's sort of a um, it's a constant, it's envy, jealousy, I've got to get this, and there's no way to get it ultimately except by forcing it. And so it turns, 
it turns violent, ultimately. I was, I was just talking to somebody right when I was not yet late, but was just coming in right on time. Um, and I was on a phone call outside, and I was, somebody was struggling with gratitude and talking about gratitude. And I had, I had this conversation twice today already, so I may as well bring it up again. People are capable of winning the lottery this week. Somebody's going to go win mega millions, and it's going to be worth $20 million. And they will pretty quickly think, ah, last week was $1.6 billion. <laughs> just right. how we are and and we and then feel poor yeah and re, and resent and everything else everybody here is psychotically wealthy like we're all we're all lotto winners and there's some people it's like well i only won half a mil and other people are like i did the full nine figures and you know like it's we're all lottery winners we're all here we're all blessed you all have heartbeats you're alive you got your nervous systems you know, it's like God put you on this planet, and he did not have to. Everybody here is a winner existing, getting to eat, getting to taste good whiskey, and have friends and family, and, and just even like breathing outside and looking at the sun. We're all lotto winners, and yet we look immediately for who is a bigger lotto winner, and we kind of we resent that really quickly. And on the flip side, part of CRT and everything else that's been going on is the virtue signaling, the need for virtue. And the collapse of all narratives. I mean, the postmoderns are correct. The narratives are just coming down. Modernism is gone. Uh, it's, it's shaking out. And so people need to find ways to feel superior. They need to find people to hate. Uh, and we used to do this with college football teams. And now we can't. Um, so it's... We, had, we, we would create artificial structures that would enable us to feel superior to somebody else and they could f feel superior to us. And we, we have this dynamic. But now it's just, who do you resent and how do you feel virtuous and superior? That, that's right. But Cowboys are America's team. Eric. Which is why they've sucked so much. It's like, so if you, if you think, like, bars. Let's just, let's just assume that the Cowboys are America's team and say, God gave us omens of how badly America was going to be doing. Look at the Cowboys. It's like, if we'd only paid attention. My daughter was working on a story called The, uh, called the Football Prophet about somebody who could watch football games and see omens and portents in the play. They apparently ran a play. I'm like, here we go, the football prophet. Yeah, Look at the Dallas Cowboys. We all should have known. <laughs> <laughs> so Dak goes Prescott America. Prescott is Joe Biden? Is that what we got? Oh, no. And they have a very big screen, just like Americans love. <laughs> the biggest screen. Aaron, what's, what's Hollywood's role in all this? Is Hollywood helping? Is Hollywood making it worse? Wow. Making, you're, you're a resident expert. Making what worse? This. Black pilling. What's this? Oh. America. America. <laughs> Cowboys. I mean, okay, so. Cowboys. <laughs> Let me put down my scotch. Um, I mean, I, th I think, like, this, this, is a, this is an important conversation, but I also find it very boring. Um, the big brother's here. <laughs> He always hated everything I did. <laughs> so make it interesting, Eric. Um, Why is it boring? Well, no, I, I really mean that. I mean, it is important. It is important. Like, we have to, like, but, um, and I don't mean to be trite about it, but, like, who has the time? 
where do they find the time to go and be anti anti-Semitic or whatever whatever thing it is? Like, I'm not, I'm not I don't mean that in a trite way. I find it abhorrent. I find it, it's it's wrong. It's unbiblical. But like, there's so much going on in the world that actually is interesting or important. Um, that like, where do they find the time? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> I think so they're on social security or something. The term uh, doom scrolling, which is one of my favorite new phrases, like doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. Oh, um, flip, flip. People are just hooked and can't stop scrolling, and it's just doom scrolling. I, I feel like it's a doom scroll. Like people have just kind of gone on. An intellectual doom scroll. And Can I, let me let me push back a little bit because I think by the time I think you could have said the same thing about the social justice movement. Like, who cares? Like, boring. Right, right, exactly. Right. Could and, and have then, and did. Right. <laughs> could have and did. And then we look up, and the next thing we know, all our institutions are taken over by wokeism. Right. And so we're like, we're minding our business, we're raising our kids, and all of a sudden, society wasn't what we thought it was anymore. It was boring, so we didn't pay attention to it, and look what happened. I think everybody has a reflex and say, oh, wait, the, the things I'm not paying attention to are going to enslave me pretty soon if I'm not paying attention right now. Well, one of, one of the things I would say is that they're better at the rules of principles of war than we are. Um, you know, when you see the, the woke stuff start happening, Sun Tzu said that you don't go and fight the battle until you've, you, you go and fight the battle that you've already won. So when that happened... It was too late. So what was our failure? What was our failure in that? I mean, our, our failure is it goes back to the things that we're all doing, the things that we're talking about, the things that Cannon publishes, the thing that Doug Doug writes about. We education, yeah, education, children, you know, um, Christian education. Um, so, so, so then, do you think it was silly to write statements on social justice? Oh, I, I'm not. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I, that's why I said it's important, but it's boring, because it is important to right. clarify when these things happen. It's important to make sure people know where we stand. It's really important to make sure that you know anyone that's salvageable from that thought, you know, from that way of thinking or whatever it is that we, you know, that pastors, you know, pull them out. And shepherd them and, and, and do that work. I mean, all that stuff's really important. Um, but yeah, when the when the woke stuff started happening, it was just like, like let's we should we should have started a long time ago. Yeah, this goes back to the question I think so, Toby was asking on, on how wokeism is like a cancer that shows us that our immune system's broke. Right. But if you have a functioning immune system, like healthy families, healthy marriages, you're staying in fellowship, you're worshiping God on the Lord's day, you're raising children, and you have generations of faithfulness. Wokeism isn't a thing. Well, the collapse, well, well, the collapse of narratives. You, inter- you interrupted me. Yeah, I did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. The, uh, the, collapse, the collapse of narratives, which is happening everywhere, and I think uh, I didn't mention this, but I think black pills are especially uh, at a high percentage of red pills among secular uh, red pills. So when somebody red pills out of secularism, they've never had faith. They don't have uh, an intact narrative. They didn't have faith in God. They had faith in their Ivy League education, in doctors, in government, in the FBI to tell the truth. Uh, You know, they had that kind of faith in the Constitution, wherever you want to put it. When they lose all that, it's real ugly and it's full of despair. When Christians lose all that, they can be revealed to have been pretty shallow because their faith was in the red, white, and blue, not in Scripture. Um, 
Like it, that's why you see all the turmoil is because they're losing faith in something that is more important to them than it should have been. But people who are like actual believers and have a are they're post mill. They trust God. They know that Christ is King and He bought the whole world. It doesn't shake them the same way because they haven't they haven't lost all their structure. They haven't lost the you know the, the narrative that guides them. Um, and I think that goes with the the woke thing was a counter narrative that started in like as a rot and it ate out a bunch of other false narrative structures. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to eat out the church, but it's it's trying. It's eating out denominations. Yep. And it's a different it's a different place to fight. So when you see um, suddenly a bunch of parents are arguing at a at a school board meeting. Yep. You know, they're all upset about the public schools. That like to Aaron's point, that fight was lost. Like long so time long ago, ago. Yeah, yeah. that was a fight my dad didn't want to have in 1981. Right, you know where right. he looked at it. It's like this is we need an entirely parallel structure and system, mm-hmm. and we have to go in a completely different direction. And then now people are like, oh no, my infrastructure, the government schools are, a collapsing. you know, yeah. they're being attacked. It's like yeah. well, good. <laughs> so, 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 so right. Wait, yeah. uh, I want to I get in here real quick. So it seems like like your point is. That because we haven't been building schools, because we haven't been building our own kind of culture, or a good culture, true culture, we were already playing in their game. We were already playing in their sandbox before critical race theory started happening. Before, so, so when that started happening, we just kind of went with their sandbox. Yeah. You know, so we weren't building anything. And we, were, we weren't in their sandbox. Well, I'm Fats. just saying, Gabe was. General. Gabe was saying that he was. That, I was. Aaron pulled me out of the sandbox. I mean, that's what really happened. I also um, need to that, know. I also, of, oh, sorry, no, no, I'm just saying. Is that to your point? Like you're you're basically saying you're arguing that we weren't building culture, they're building culture. We were playing in their sandbox, and so when critical race theory comes along, or when you know, um, uh, you know, CRT and all these movements come along, we just kind of immediately kind of start playing in their new sandbox that they built for us instead of building kind of counterculture. And, and we're just we're, we're surprised. Like, why are we surprised? Like, yeah, by any of that stuff. Like, it's you know. What, what, you know, from one thing to the next, wokeism. Uh, we're talking about. I mean, like yeah, Nate said, like everything's connected from the Pac-12 to J6 to yeah. COVID. Is I the mean, ho- is the Hollywood writer strike related to all this? Yes. How? It's a weird um, ritual suicide. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. I'm, just, it's just, I'm gonna need some of this. Just, All right, go ahead, go. It's, it's extremely bizarre. Um, watching an entire group of the people who've been writing the catechisms for our culture uh, come out and just self-destruct, and do it when they did it, the way they did it. Right after COVID is what you're the, referring yeah, to. It's like when, the when they COVID did, COVID came and destroyed the whole, you mm. know, the whole shooting match. Streamers were the only ones who benefited yep. during COVID. Right when the theatrical business is just barely starting to come back to fight the streamers, yeah. to fight the streamers, the Writers Guild decides, let's go on strike. Let's blow up the theaters and our own careers and put all the streamers in an amazingly wealthy cash position. It's happening right now. That'll work. You know, it's funny when the, when the writer strike started happening, immediately popped up on Netflix, old content, legacy content, and now video games. Yep. I don't know if you guys... That was, that was that. coming from a long way off. I had entertainment yeah. lawyers tell me in L.A. before the strike, the strike will happen because the streamers want it. Yeah. And if you want to know like, how this is going to work, just watch the Cayman accounts for the leaders of the guild. 
because the only ones benefiting right now are the, are the streamers. So Netflix gained 1.5 billion in liquidity in the first six weeks of the strike, I think it was. Uh, Paramount, which has been dying suddenly, has a ton of excess cash. Um, none of them are losing share value. None of them. Where's are, Disney at? Uh, selling to Apple. Um, oh, really? I didn't hear that. That's being, it's being teased. Yeah, yeah it's, it's being flooded. They're the only ones who could buy them. Um, but it's, the, the streamers are moving themselves into, into amazing cash positions while writers are losing their houses. And I'm having conversations where people are shutting down shows that aren't even you know, within the strike. They're just like, well, out of, out of an abundance of caution and solidarity, we need, to, we need to all take this financial hit, which will only benefit Netflix out of an abundance of caution. Um, and they start using the COVID language, the same exact COVID language of self-harming for the good of the whole. And self-harming for the good of the whole, self-harming for the good of the whole. Uh, I know right, like animation writing is not, it's not part of the strike. Um, my manager was raging to me on the phone about clients who are turning down animation jobs because they didn't want to be working and making money when their peers were suffering. <laughs> And so, like, a couple of them are losing their houses. And they're, and, and it's like, and so there's this weird, like, it is suicidal. It's a bizarre cultural self-destruction. So the same thing, Pac-12, writer strike, uh, everything else, Greater Idaho. So can Greater I, Idaho movement, old, old boundaries, old landmarks just do not matter right now. Everything's yeah. shaking down. The center can't hold. So, uh, so wait, connect, connect the Hollywood strike um, back to Black Pill. Why, why is it? I'm slow here, man. Okay, so... It's, it's not directly connected other than the fact that when institutions shake and collapse and lose their reliability, people go wandering. Like they, yep. they lose their anchor. Like their, yep. their cable's been cut and they're going to go somewhere. Yep. And so a ton of people are going, a bunch of gay Hollywood's blackpilling. Yep. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like they're, and they're blackpilling in a completely different way, you know, over fiscal policy or uh, government overreach. Um, fill in the blank and they're part of the revolution like they're basically French people going to the guillotine late in the revolution they were like well, hold on a second I, I thought we decided to just cut their heads off <laughs> didn't we just decide to cut their heads off and it's like yeah but we ran out of things and so um, you're next and here comes the next institution yeah. so the, the total shakedown of institutions think about the loss of faith in denominations and local churches through COVID Gone. I mean, gone. It's just like the loss, the, the loss of faith in those infrastructures, and that is connected. So the Writers Guild is just one more structure shaking down. The Hollywood's one more structure wobbling, and people are reacting into all sorts of different directions out of it. Is there is there an opportunity here that isn't boring? What are we? You know what, I mean? what are we missing in, in, in the in the strike? Because I don't want to be boring. Not for Aaron. But no, for the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, because Aaron's adrenaline thresholds are really low, <laughs> so he has to do something incredibly risky. Yes, in, in I know his brother. To, They're like that. in order to feel it at all. Most of those nerves are just dead. I'm just numb. <laughs> uh, and I want to know where Waterboy came from. That's a completely different conversation. You, you still don't know where that came from? No. Oh well, we y'all we can sh- have that conversation. Yeah, we should. I mean, that's, it's not that interesting. Actually, you guys, yeah, you guys should talk. Still, it's, it's also boring. Where that nickname came from? You know what I mean, though. Like, what's the what's the play there? Because it seems like you got people who are. And by the way, that seems again, critical theory is right in the play of that. You have people who want more money from other folks, and so they're cutting down, criticizing, saying we don't have enough. They're they're feeling like 
slaves to the system. And so, like, they're the masters. And so now it's classism that they're picking each other over. It's not race at this point. I would probably turn into that. It's probably all of them at the end of the day. But what's the non-boring move that gets in the middle of that and takes... Is there a play there for Christians? I think we should just give up. <laughs> no. What would John MacArthur do? <laughs> just got to sue somebody. <laughs> I, think, I think that, that it is not scintillating, but it is the, the fix is the, the long, straight road of faithfulness. Like just... Every day, building and keeping like the foundations are square, the walls are plumb. You pull the weeds in your garden every day. You don't let the rock come into the walls. Just every day, it's the it's the grind against against the storm. And while that might not be riveting, it's kind of so boring. Best, it's yeah. boring. It's boring. <laughs> I just, no, no, I disagree. Well, that, that's that's interesting. But <laughs> I will I will say this: it's not boring for long because as soon as you do that. The Viking Raiders, you know, oh, let's, let's just place ourselves in a post-apocalyptic story. Let's say that we're in McCarthy's Road. We're in The Road. Yeah. Everybody read The Road? Maybe. Audiobook. It's bad. The book is interesting if you listen to it, but the world is bad. So if you're in an apocalyptic scenario and you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a stronghold. Like, how many raiders are going to come? Like, how many scavengers? How, how many people are going to come try to destroy it? It's not going to be very boring. It's going to be right. sword and shovel. You know, it's well, you're, you're going to be fighting to defend and fighting and if, to build all the time. Your kids are under attack every day, and so you can't just take a break right. for a month right. and not have worldview conversations and right. not be building those relationships and not be training them. Like you got to have it, or they're going to they're going to be casualties. In, and if what's and if what's driving this is envy and angst and despair then as soon as you start building something worthwhile, they're going to come. They're going to hate it. And we've seen it. Like we've, that's exactly our experience. Right. Yeah, here in so, Moscow. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Na- nationally too. Like yeah. it's, right. It gets everywhere. And so the, you become just a target of attack. Any, anyone shiny, anything shiny, anything safe, anything valuable, you'll have attacks from inside and out. Yeah. And they look different. So the ones inside get in and try to lean hard in the canoe or get to the steering wheel or, uh, hey, we're going to take this in a racist direction. Um, right. we're gonna, that way we can destroy you from inside. We're going to make you irrelevant, make you wander off your vision from inside. And that's what wokeism did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, can, mm-hmm. we, can we steer you from the inside? Uh, but then there's a lot of just overt attacks. Just, I mean, I don't know anybody up here who's ever been arrested for no good reason or prosecuted. <laughs> <laughs> so... And it ain't me. <laughs> singing Amazing Grace could be incredibly interesting. Yeah. That's yeah, not so Singing psalms. Yeah. Showing up to a parking lot and, and singing Amazing Grace can right. be interesting for a long time. <laughs> um, and eventually might get you a new truck. Or at least, <laughs> at least pay off a credit card. <laughs> but it's, but it's, pick one. You know, it's the build, the build, the build, the build. All right. Just, Aaron, that's, Aaron, that's the thing. Aaron, Maybe this is an interesting question. This is, this is literally on our notes. It better be. It's, I mean, Aaron's already judged so, us once. Okay. <laughs> there's three of them, actually. Okay. Yeah, th- there's three things here. Okay. What would you do with $50 million, 50000 $50? I get all three of those? Yeah, all three scenarios. What would you do? Okay. But they're distinct. One at a time. 
Fifty million, fifty thousand, fifty dollars. After he tries, I'll give you the correct answers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and not not the correct answers of what should you do, but the correct answers of what he would do. Yes, I want to. Yes, that's oh, true. I'm man. here for this. I'm here. We for could this. be here for a long time. Um, I mean, if, okay, fifty million option. Yeah. Um, this is something that like Nate and I have actually tried to do before and uh, worked on before, but it's like that's enough. But well. Money's gone up a little bit, but let's see. Let's buy it. Let's buy a film. Let's buy a movie studio. Um, they've gone up in price, uh, but depending on which one you get, maybe it's a mid-major, or whatever. Um, MGM at one time could have been bought for six to eight million dollars. Wow. I'm uh, sorry, uh, not million. Sorry, billion. Okay. I was um, like saying, wow, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. low. Yeah, yeah. And no. if you want to know how $50 million could do that, it's called how, uh, it's, Hollywood Accounting. Yeah. But it could. It's a down payment. And it's, like Steve Martin said, it's how I turn a million dollars in real estate into $25 cash. <laughs> <laughs> so you, if you're trying to track, read the book. Um, okay, well, $50 million. So leverage it, get leverage it, yeah. and buy a studio. Leverage it, buy a studio. Okay, 50000 um, that, that play sounds very familiar around here. <laughs> um, $50,000. Um, $50,000. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I know what I just did. That one. Yeah, Gabe should be getting that question because he just, <laughs> that's what he got. What are you doing with $50,000? Oh, just paid off debt. That was it. Okay. Yeah. It was nothing, nothing. Yeah. Paying the man. Nothing, nothing exciting. Well, the government took taxes out of it, too. Yeah. I, I got. <laughs> Wronged by the government. And the government's like, and by the way. And by the way, <laughs> you still owe us. <laughs> Sounds about right. Hey, yeah. Weren't they more harmed than you were? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like a little dig that I owe them a little bit out of it. You know, just a little dig. Yeah. Um, so, $50. I mean, because there's a lot of families out there. There's a lot of people who can make a smaller play. You know, so what, you know, what's the fifty thousand? What's the play that families, that people, that business leaders in the small world can do, not in the Nate and Aaron world? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, fifty fifty thousand dollars is. I mean, that, that, that's just like very. It's a very practical thing. Whatever it is that you need, uh, um, yeah, pay off your debt. Um, but you, A Dub. What would Aaron. I do? Aaron's nickname is A Dub, by the way. A Dub. I would just continue to live. So, so there's. So <laughs> okay. Okay, Nate. What would my brother do? What's the what's, what's the freaking right answer, man? <laughs> Fifty dollars. I buy flowers for my wife. There you go. That's some expensive yeah, there flowers, go. but there you go. Yeah. And that's not what he would do. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> <laughs> 50 bucks, Aaron makes an ice cream run. Um, 100%. 100%. 100%. And he doesn't bring the ice cream I back. Take my, I, I take no. my wife to ice cream. 100%. Uh, 50,000. Yeah, that is, that is a little tough. Um, but I think, I think uh, probably get some land. He'd probably leverage it into land. Um, 50 million, and that would be ice cream involved in that too. Then, um, 50 million, definite ice cream run. Yeah. Um, Before and after. Yeah. Build the Logos campus. Build, to, build the Logos campus. Yeah. Logos, there you go. So, I was, I was going to say athletic facilities um, at the new Logos campus. 
of leverage into a mid-major studio offer or a film fund uh, and land an ice cream. I think that'd be, and he'd probably get into a whiskey distillery too, just because he tries to do that when he doesn't have anything. <laughs> so the, the reason those are kind of interesting is because you're wondering, but if you have 50 million, you have more capital to do something with, right? But I think there's a lot of people who are at that 50,000 and the $50 who don't feel like that that's much of a way of waging war with their economics, with their money. Oh, it absolutely is. If you have 50 bucks, and this is to validate Aaron's ice cream run, but just less selfishly. Thank you. Buy some really, buy some great ice cream. Yeah. Right across just the street. Treat the kids. Treat the kids with some great ice cream. Sit them down and read them Lord of the Rings. Do whatever you do. Like, do something. Like, use it as glue in your family culture. Uh, a lot of people are always pinching, always scraping, and they, they lose track of the, the breathe, like the joy moments. Yep. So, like, how do you actually, like, bring joy and mark that joy and catechize that joy into the, you know, deep into the psyches of your kids? Like, so, you, you, came, you came up with a, a metaphor that I've found very helpful that I've used this last year. And before, I want to, before I get there, you came on our show in 2020 and kind of, like, shockingly predicted that things were going to get more crazy. This is, I think, February 2020 before COVID had really happened. And then, you know, Trump was running against Biden. And you said, I don't know what's going to happen, but things are going to get crazier. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want whatever you say to become true right now, because what, what you said in February became true. <laughs> um, COVID, COVID happened a month later. And then the presidential election got even crazier. Um, how are you? Uh, we, we've been kind of having this debate a little bit on the show where. Knox thinks in the next 20, 25 years, things are probably going to get better. Conservatives or Christians are going to win more. We're going to smash. We're going to smash. Because we're having kids. Um, Lord willing, we're raising faithful kids. We're keeping our kids, that kind of thing. And, and the secularists, they're cutting their kids up. They're aborting their kids. They're, um, you know, their kids are leaving them. They're having 1.2 kids, that kind of thing. So how, do you, how are you kind of reading like these next 20 years, next 40 years? Of, it seems like some sort of realignment is going to happen. It, there's no way Idaho with a heartbeat bill could exist with New York, who's got a nine-month post-abortion, you know, uh, regulatory structure. Same thing for Colorado. It just didn't seem like that can exist back to that circle that you're talking about. What, how are you reading kind of the next 20, 40 years in all this? And please don't do it again. Just be wrong. <laughs> just, just be wrong this time. It's say say good things. It's going to be great. <laughs> Stone them. You're that, you're that prophet and, uh, <laughs> and kings. That, yeah. It'll be perfect. Um, I, I really do think it's going to shake down pretty hard. Um, I don't think that means that CK is wrong. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, it's it's going to be uh, a rough road. It's a there. both and. And the, the thing is that when structures are coming down, when an empire collapses, when an empire shakes and goes to compost, it's rugged. You know, it's, it's really, really rough. And a lot of things that we love will be gone. You know, like this is one of my um, fond childhood memories was eating breakfast with Keyshawn Johnson, Hall of Fame NFL receiver, because he was in town with USC. You know, it's like, that's just a little, like, Americana thing, right? Like, college, college football, these things used to be small college towns and, you know, all, all that thing. And it's all, it's just gone. It's just completely gone. So these things will be smashed and they'll, they'll disappear. The reason why that was happening was because they called my dad uh, and asked him to be the chaplain for the team to come in and 
uh, lead a Bible study and, and do some prayer in the morning with the USC team when they were in town and he brought me, it was great. Watching these structures just give out and go down can, can be bittersweet, it can be just bitter. It can just be unfun to watch it come down. But as they come down, the soil is incredibly rich. Um, it is just, I mean, everybody knows you compost to get the best soil. Um, when everybody had faith in the wrong gods, uh, they're pretty tough to evangelize. When everybody has lost all faith in their idols, when these vacuums are created, um, then you're kind of you're looking at these Jesus revolution moments, like how the gospel can just really like, spread around like wildfire and bring people meaning and purpose in a, in a way that they've been lying to themselves uh, beforehand. So I think there's going to be massive blessing. I think there's going to be all sorts of opportunity. Um, chaos always brings opportunity. Uh, Aaron and I are working hard to try to like find opportunities in the chaos of the writer strike, and like that kind of that kind of stuff is there to be found. It's not the easiest thing, but you know it's there, and you go hunting for it. So as all these as all these gatekeepers are just shaking down, as all these structures are shaking down. Are we capable, for example, here, are we capable of doing something so stupid as, like, drawing down our dams, as tearing down our dams, and getting rid of hydropower? Like, yeah, we are. We're that, we're that dumb. We're capable of that. Uh, if we do that, that kind of thing, which we're trying to, but if we do that, then we're more vulnerable than before. You have new calculus you have to run. Yep. Uh, You've got to have your own grid. Mm-hmm. So the degree to which we need to be preppers uh, remains to be seen. But that is the absolute pull that I feel yeah. for the next two decades. Okay. Like as I think infrastructures are going to keep dying off, and then we'll have a bunch of survivors, and we'll know what kind of institutions are still around. But we just have to be resilient and anti-fragile, and a huge part of that is joy. So that's right. That's so right. if you are, you know, you're missing Pac-12 football, whatever. I don't care what it is. Ramp it up. It's going to be the Pac-6. Eastern Oregon joins. You know Idaho, and you're just on the other side of that that line, stuck with Oregon. Um, whatever it is, how bad would that be? That'd be terrible. Um, <laughs> they want out. They want gonna, out. But it's going to happen to people. <laughs> like they're going to be like, okay, this happens. Uh, you need to be the people like celebrating. You need the people who are still thanking God for the amazing taste of a peach, still eating ice cream with your kids, still telling stories still laughing and joyful in that different kind of work that will be given. Um, I was talking to a guy who's on the East Coast who has veered from when I first started working with him in like 2005 till now. He's gone from hard lefty to just uh, he's a secular red pill moving towards like monarchist and craziness. Um, but talking to him and he's got nothing. It's just all shaking. Um, you know he's got no he's got no narrative to to work with. It reminds me of the what you're talking about of the fall of the M, Roman Empire always yeah, and, and the, the beginning of the Middle Ages and and yet and secularists have tried to tell us for years and years that those were the Dark Ages and yet it turns out if we actually go back and read and study uh, they were some of the most fruitful times where God was building Christendom. And there were small towns, and he didn't have the infrastructure of the empire, and there were marauding Vikings and Huns. And uh, it was still the Dark Ages. And it was, it, there was some darkness to it, absolutely, yeah. and, and a lot less infrastructure. And yet, there was a lot of faithfulness, because there was a lot of real, simple, down-to-earth gospel faithfulness. And it built the West. I was, I was still saying we're also, 
Uh, you'll talk in a second, Kate. No, no, it's fine. I, I'm, uh, I'm just. This the, is what we do. He's getting to work out. Say, I would rather be. I told this guy, my friend, I was like, I'd rather be standing right here, right now, than where my grandfather was in 1941. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. God gives us. He gives us stories. He gives us struggles, and he gives us the struggles and the stories for us. That's right. And he gives us to the struggles and the stories. Like we're the people for the struggle. Right. So this is the struggle. This is the moment, and he has created a bunch of characters to go into this moment for right. this story. Um, and I, I wouldn't trade it. Right. I, w- I wouldn't trade it for, any, for anything. Right. So I think the, the metaphor I was going to get at that, that's been helpful that you, uh, maybe it was last year, two years ago, that you kind of put in my mind was how Christians need to be thinking about our own institutions in this fight. Um, uh, and I think, you know, I grew up in the PCA. Uh, a lot of my friends in Texas kind of grew up in the SBC circles. And, and, and this also kind of goes into your point about, like, man, these institutions really have gained and earned our distrust in some sense. Um, but uh, you, you said we need to think more like pirate ships and less like building memorials. And that, I think that, that really stuck with me because I kind of look around and, um, you know, in some sense, Ligonier is already kind of a memorial to R.C. Sproul. Like, in some sense, they're kind of done fighting. Um, and, you know, probably shortly after, I hope this doesn't happen, but same thing with John MacArthur. When he, you know, goes to be at the Lord, how quickly are they going to start playing it safe to protect John MacArthur's name, that kind of thing? Um, and they already are. Um, you know, and we know secrets. <laughs> tell, tell us more. So, <laughs> so how, you know, so being like pirate ships, whatever we do, we know that God's built us and built our institutions for dying. We're dying for the good of the church, dying for the good. You know, we know that God's going to raise up and what, he, what we, you know, we give our life for, he raises up. So how, how should we be thinking about building institutions these next 20 years or so in this chaos or in this you know, upheaval that you see coming uh, in a way that we aren't being like you know, Darren's, and, uh, Darren's you know, metaphor or not metaphor, but Darren's comments about being precious with, our, with, with what we're doing? I, I'll tie this back into what Toby said a little bit ago. One of the biggest lies bigger than wokeism, bigger than all the garbage that's come out um, in the last 50 years. You go back to Christian institutions buying into this Darwinist goal of survival. And that survival is the good. That is, and and just get it Surviving for surviving sake kind of thing. Having survived. And especially on an institutional level, it is the most dangerous a paradigm, the most dangerous lie you could possibly embrace is trying to survive. And just get it into your heads and into your bones that survival is not the goal. The goal is not survival. It just isn't. It never has been. The goal for your kids is not that they will survive. Like, that's not the goal. The goal for your institutions is that they would honor God. They would glorify God. They, and if they end, they end in glory. They end in a blaze glorifying God. That's right. You'd much rather have things uh, exist faithfully until they reach an, a natural mortal end than just exist and exist past the point of rot and decay. And they turn into the, you know, that weird mummified granny that the Incan tribe still carries around. You know, just... Can we can we just move on? Can we actually just go so full full send? And the the worst the worst news that there is is that we're supposed to imitate God, and that's terrible. <laughs> just like, that's imitate horrible. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, imitate but imitate the Father. Yeah. 
Uh, we're supposed to be like Christ, but we're also supposed to be like the Father. So he sent his only begotten son, his beloved son, and he sent him to die in his 30s. Like, and we're like, well, I want my kids to live past 100. I want them to, have, I want them to like, pay attention to Dave Ramsey and have great you know, financial <laughs> stability. You know, like, yeah. No. Like, that's, that's just not the goal. It's not the goal at all. Now, we all want our kids to have like, quiet and peaceable lives. We want ourselves to have that. But more than that, we want them to glorify God in their moment. Glorify God in their relationships and in everything they do. And so with institutions... There's this immediate reflex that happens pretty quickly on boards and in leadership to be constantly seeking the, the ease of the institution, right. to, to be trying to make your K-12 through school back home, your homeschool co-op, to have it continue to exist. That's just not the goal. Like for anything we make, all the things we make are mortal. We can't get to immortality through having built the best homeschool co-op in Cincinnati. We can't do it. So, like... Build one, do it, use it, but every every day you got to be ready to sail that pirate ship right into the British fleet and go down in flames. You just got to be ready to, to do it, and you can't start regulating your use of it by the the Darwinian like survival um, rubric at all. And that that's the most dangerous thing because we want it to last. I want Logos School to last, but I always want Logos School to be in the fight. That's right. And I don't ever want it ducking exactly. the fight because it needs to keep existing. Right. Like, and there's a chance of taking casualties. There's a chance of losing. It's like when you're on Omaha Beach and you're in that amphibious craft, you're looking around at your buddies, and you know you're not all making it out. Right. It's not going to happen. Right. And yet this is valuable, and this is what we're doing, and this is where we're going, and we will take casualties. So realizing that our institutions are just as mortal as we are, they might have slightly longer lifespans. Yeah. And, and wanting them not to die in unfaithfulness, like preferring the death to come That's right. uh, and that, in the faithful yep. fight. And that is, I mean, that is the answer to the black pill. Yep. Like that is the opposite, that's the polar opposite of the black pill. It says, this is my father's world. Yep. He owns this place. Yeah. He sent his son, his son died, his son rose again, his son is at the right hand of the father. And so now we build and fight and live to his glory. And we trust him to use us in the way that he sees fit. That's not boring. Yeah. That's mm. the most exciting life there is. And there is ice cream. And there is ice cream. So I don't know if you And as a side note on that, let's just remember that our Father in heaven is the kind of God and the kind of Father who will keep ice cream a secret. Right. For a long time. For a long time. <laughs> I don't know what the wrenches would have done. And then somebody's, somebody's like, wait, so there's this really tall grass, and we can get these crystals out of it. And if I squeeze the sack under that big animal, and then I, and then I, then I let the liquid. And I get I something cold. And I take the top off, and then I find, I have to go up to the mountain peak and get some ice and come back and start going. And there's a bean I hear in South America that can really make this way through. There's all these, it's a, he's so patient and it's such a long lead delivery. And, and so yeah. like it's thousands and thousands of years before the first person eats a bite of vanilla ice cream. Like, and, is, and then he made, so tragic. My kids, my family bought me an ice cream maker this summer. This is real. I mean. That's great. tragic. True story. Tra- yeah, true story. This is how much it means to the wrenches. Yeah. That's it. I, I got no. I got a deep point here. I got like. I, I figured. 
I figured everyone I get an amen. Why? Like, like I just. It hurt, Gabe. Like you guys let me down on that one. I wasn't. Nate, uh, I thought you were about to no. tell a story. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Tolerate Thank you so much. Gabe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for having us. All right. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a uh, uh, about a five ten minute bathroom break here, and then Brian. You're, you're uh, not gonna let you're not gonna let Knox sign off. Oh oh, right. it's Come on. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids. Go baptize him. Till next time, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Thank you, guys. All right, Gabe, now you can have the rest of the floor. It's yours. If you can remember what you were saying. Mom always told me to be a good boy. But the world said I could be anything I wanted to be, which is great. Because I want to be a problem. No, I won't dive into sex, drugs, or gender confusion. To the world, that would make me a good little boy. I will learn formal logic and adhere firmly to the concept of objective truth. I will commit myself absolutely to the authority of the Word of God and make friends with Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Chesterton, Lewis, and the U.S. Constitution. I hope to grow up and love only one woman, a woman at least as clear-thinking and rebellious in this world as I will be who knows where true beauty lies and who will never let me stop striving to be the biggest problem I can be. I will give my life for hers and aim to have a family large enough to require specialty automobiles. We will worship in a church unashamed of the gospel and live in a community of families doing the same. I will work myself to the bone providing for my family and I will make sure my kids all fall in love with Narnia and Middle Earth, that they will all know how to think that evolution will make them giggle, and rainbows will make them think of Noah and his archiarchy. Like I said, I will be a problem, immune to all that is hip and trendy and now. Singing songs that are centuries old, savoring good wine and great whiskey, dancing and laughing and feasting while the enemies of God scowl and glower in shelter in place. Hello, boy, the world says. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a metastasizing cancer of conservative Christian culture, devouring Marx's impotent, progressive dream and building a resurrected Western world. I want to be a stomper of stupid sandcastles, an exposer of poisonous lies. I want my life to be a monument to the triune creator God who made us all, the kind of monument you and yours will never be able to tear down. Oh, and farmer. Thanks for asking. New St. Andrews College. Liberal Arts for Outlaws.